From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we talk Guardians at the Break, 13 Shades of Brown, the Open Championship, the far too soon close of the World Games, and TV awards. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever co-hosts. Phil Danko is here. Gerbs, thanks for having me. Court show guest Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. Court show guest? <laughs> There's a lot of court shows, so I assume I'm getting paid a lot of money for this. Well, I wouldn't jump to that conclusion, but I will oh. tell you that this is an opportunity right in your backyard. Court show relative justice with Judge Rhonda Wills is looking for guests in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, Judge Wills wants to know, do you have any disputes with anyone? Does anyone owe you yes. money or break your stuff? An ex, yes. romantic partner, someone you're related to? Yes. Then yes. you can get <laughs> Then you can get Sorry. $300 plus per diem for your appearance. <laughs> and up to 5,000 if you win your wow. case. Want to use fake rules to settle real problems? Your opportunities on indeed.com. That is a real job posting. They're all over the place. Uh, Judge Will's what kind really of show wants- tapes in Pittsburgh. Kind of show. <laughs> I don't know if it tapes in Pittsburgh, but um, they, they they had these advertisements all over the country. I just chose Pittsburgh because oh. it, was, it was one that I thought you could get down there for if you have can. a dispute with somebody or there's somebody who breaks your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly how they worded the question on on the website, uh, which I thought that's pretty funny. Like they're always breaking my stuff. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> enough. Relative justice, starring Chuck Rambaldo and Whitney Rambaldo. Uh, yep. Why don't we get started? We will stay at home in the land. Our Guardians week cap recapping the week for the cleveland guardians this is our all-star break edition and man things got better last week the guardians split with the white Sox and then treated the tigers the way a tiger should be treated they beat them taking three games this weekend (laughs) before this afternoon's game was rained out heading into the all-star break the guardians are 46 and 44 and only two games out of first in the central and certainly feeling a lot better than a week ago But fellas, since we're at the unofficial midpoint of the season, I thought it was time to do one of my favorite things, which is look back at our spring gardening previews and see how well our predictions and our thoughts held up. So let's go back to episode 66, which was on March 21st, where we talked starting pitching. And one of the questions that I had for us was, who would have a better year, Quantrill, McKenzie, or Plesak? All three of us said McKenzie. At the break, Quantrill is 6-5 and five with a 3.75 ERA. Plesak is 2-7 and seven with a 4.22 ERA. McKenzie is 7-6 and six with a 3.20 ERA. Were we right? Yes. <laughs> yes, we were. I think, you know, you look at those stats and it's hard to, hard to say that we were right, I guess. Uh, but McKenzie of late has been lights out. And, and not just like a last start or two. Like this has been going on for the last month or more, right? And he's been lights out. So I think amongst those three, I think we were right. We hit the nail on the head, man. We were definitely right. I think I, I took a peek at the stats earlier today. And he's not far behind Bieber when it comes to ERA, strikeouts, all that stuff. And we're just talking about like he's been hot for the last month when he's actually been pitching pretty decent, it seems, comparatively to the starting five all year so. It's nice to feel that all of us were right for once on something. Time is proving us right because he did have some shaky starts earlier in the year and Quantrill was pitching really well early in the year and kind of cooled down a little bit. Both of them pitched great this week and McKenzie's ERA is, is falling because he just stopped giving up runs. He figured out this is an easy way to win. And I think the, <laughs> the amazing thing was that his last start, he didn't have any walks either. Which is something that was always like an Achilles heel for that guy. So if he can keep pitching like that, we're going to look really, really smart he, at the he end. He went of the eight innings in that game too. I think it was like eight, eight full yeah. innings. Yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, the pitching really rebounded this week. Bullpen, starting rotation, everything got so much better than it had been the weeks before. All right, let's move to episode sixty-eight, which was on April fourth, and one of my questions for you guys was. Which young player will have the breakout season? And the three options I gave you were Miles Straw, 
Anthony Ghost and Owen Miller. Ouch. <laughs> Phil went with straw. Chuck and I went with Owen Miller, and our joke was, well, he only hit 180 the season before, so if he hits right. 250, he's having a breakout year, which is kind of right where he's at. Yeah. But halfway through the season, I think we can have a better list. So how about this new list of best breakout baby guards that will keep breaking for the regular season? Uh, Steven Kwan, Andres Jimenez, Oscar Gonzalez. Well, two of the three I'm really interested in. Kwan came out of nowhere and has been a, a solid leadoff guy when Straw couldn't do it anymore. The second option was what? Andres Jimenez. Yeah, that guy's okay. He's an all-star. Yeah. Starting all-star. <laughs> yeah, maybe I mean, he's, he's a starting all-star. Uh, maybe he should have been on the list in April. Uh, so, yeah, what we thought was not the centerpiece of the Frankie Lindor trade may be the centerpiece of the Frankie Lindor trade at this point. So I'm assuming if even if we went back to April and you listed on there, I still would have said Owen Miller only because I thought this guy could really contribute. And, and maybe he has. He is hitting almost 250, maybe a little above it. So, we, me and you were kind of right, Gerb, but, yeah. but still, I, I think uh, if you would have thrown uh, that dude in there, it would have been that guy. He's pretty good. So I'm sorry, through all of that, um, did you give yeah. an answer? Who did you pick? I no. thought he went with Jimenez. <laughs> did he not go with Jimenez? Okay. Yeah. Jimenez. All right. Yes. Jimenez. Yeah. Right. yeah. I was making sure. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I caught that. It's, it's Jimenez by far. I mean, that, that dude is a starting all-star at second base and will shortly be our starting shortstop, I think, at least by next season. But so that guy's the answer to your new question. I think if Jimenez was on the list initially, I would have still chose Miles Straw and uh, been wrong still. I'd blame me. You know, I made the list and I just missed <laughs> a whole bunch of these guys. I'm actually like Jimenez is amazing. He's having an amazing season. We are lucky to have that guy on the squad. But I would say like the idea of like the breakout in part is that it's a surprise and nobody saw Stephen Kwan coming and he came in lit it up in the first month of the season and then fell apart. And you're like, okay, this guy is just not quite ready. And, you know, they've scouted him, they figured him out and he's not going to perform. And then he completely turned it around again and has been hitting great. So I would say a breakout guy, one that I'm really surprised. And I actually had never even heard of until this season. Uh, Stephen Kwan gets mine. One of our other questions on April 4th was whether the guardians would make the playoffs. Danko said, no reasoning that Ramirez was probably going to get traded at some point during the season. Chuck said no, because he felt that everything needed to go right for them to be able to win. And he didn't trust the bullpen. I said, yes. I said, if they keep the staff healthy, the young players improve and we get a whole season with Francona back on the bench that I thought that would get them to the playoffs. Either of you guys want to change your mind. I'd like to, uh, addend my response and say that Jose Ramirez will not be traded. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously recorded before he signed that during the season. Um, But no, I'm, I'm still going to lean towards we're not going to make the playoffs. I'm, I'm same. I'm with Phil here. Even if everything goes right. uh, I still think there's about a month here where if they're going to add somebody, if they're buying, if they're going to address some of their issues, whether it's bullpen or catcher or whatever, I still think they come up short at the end of the season. I think this is a team to be super excited about maybe next year or the year after, but I just don't think they make the playoffs this year. Don't jump ahead to the wrap-up show. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm also not changing my mind. Uh, I still think they're going to do this. They're two games out of first place, uh, and they are still playing good baseball most of the time. So in our division, I think this team still has a better than average shot of making the playoffs. I still think they're going to do it. So speaking of playoffs, the central division and the second half, who should we be more worried about the twins or the white Sox? The white Sox only because we say this a lot on this show. They're the best team in the division on paper. Uh, And I I would assume they write a ship at some point here. If not, that's to our benefit. Great. And, And if we sneak in or compete against the twins, but I still think the White Sox are the cream of the crop when it comes to this division, not the twins. Twins have had injuries, though, so that kind of worries me if like some of their pitching staff comes back. Uh, maybe maybe they can hold on, but I think I think it's the White Sox, even with that who is their coach. I hate that guy. I wanted to get in. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for explaining that. Yeah, wait, Jeez. Yeah. way to get it in the first segment. <laughs> this is what Chuck sounds like on five beers. <laughs> That's right. Phil, what do you think? It's definitely the White Sox. I think they just laid waste to the Twins to end the first half of the season over the weekend. 
the White Sox seem to be getting healthy at the right time and getting better, and they're just a game behind us. So that puts them, what, three games out of first? And I'm pretty sure we have way more games against the White Sox than we do the Twins the rest of the way. I think we start the second half with like four against the White Sox with another doubleheader in there somewhere, whatever. I would be more worried about the White Sox. Not That's not to say that the Guardians can't end up ending up ahead of the White Sox, but that's the team that's going to make the run, I think, in this division in the second half. It certainly seems like they're getting that lineup back together, and that's a scary lineup. And I don't know. I guess I always underestimate the Twins a little bit. I think halfway through the first half of the season, I said that they sucked um, and that we were going to be able to catch them. And they just kept on winning just enough to stay ahead of the Guardians. And, you know, we had our issues as well. But uh, the White Sox look a little bit scary. But I think what gives me some confidence for the guards is the fact that Tony La Russa is still the manager. I think we've talked about this before. People who are over 75 years old shouldn't have jobs. Um, they just shouldn't anymore. It's, you know, it's not being ageist. It's just reality. Sorry, dad. Uh, if you're listening. <laughs> Last thing, tell me if I am full on crazy or just baby crazy. Give them two years, and the current core of this team, Ramirez, Jimenez, Naylor, and from the pitching side, maybe it's Bieber and McKenzie, are going to be comparable to the 90s core, Bell, Bayerga, Lofton, Charles Nagy, Jose Mesa. Uh, you're crazy, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to qualify that. So I'll, I'll lean towards baby crazy because I think, I think this pitching staff will be better than the one you just mentioned, potentially. You know, Bieber, McKenzie, Classe, uh, that seems a little bit better than what you just mentioned from the 90s with, you know, Nagy and Mesa, right? Yeah. yeah. I feel a lot better with Classe yeah, than Joe Table. <laughs> Where it goes the other way then is on on the uh, the offensive side of that that comparison. And it's just, well, it's a different game anyway, though. I, I don't know that we need a Bell by Erga Lofton offensively anymore. It'd be nice. <laughs> but uh, you sure would. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't think this team gets to that level. And I don't know that the game would allow that level of offensive production anymore. You're talking about teams that dwell so deeply in our heart. Like these are my favorite Indian teams of all time. And do I see similarities between the two? I don't know. You know, like Albert Bell was a wrecking ball. I'm not saying Ramirez is not, but there was a different swagger to those teams. And those were teams too that were supplemented by wily veterans, whether it was on the pitching staff or, 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 or in the position that these are guys who had been there before, who could, who could definitely have that spotlight shine on them and perform. I think this is more organic and that why, that's why it has a chance to be just as good. You know, not that Bell didn't come up in this. A bunch of those guys did. Manny, Tommy, all those dudes came up uh, in this organization, but Phil's kind of right. Like offensively, I don't, I don't think we ever see numbers like that again, unless you're playing for the Yankees at this point uh, this season, but no, that's, that's a God Gerb. That's a, I'm glad you run this (laughs) podcast. What a great question, dude. Um, Man, I I think it's a team we can be almost just as proud of, but it's not like that team won shit either. You know, it's not like they, they hoisted a championship. Uh, If this team does in three years, then, then it's, then it surpasses them, man. I'm going to have to think about that for a little longer, but it's a it's a really good question. The 90s team is special um, for us for a lot of reasons. It was the first real good Cleveland baseball team we ever saw. The Browns weren't there at the time. You know, the, the Jake had just opened for that 94 season. We were all at an age where, like, we loved baseball more than, like, most other things in life, and we had a lot of time to pay attention to it, um, unlike now. So, I mean, there, there was a lot of reasons to be in love with that team. Uh, Kenny Lofton's my favorite baseball player ever still. But I think that there is something comparable here in the, in the level of success that's possible because I think they're building a playoff caliber team in Cleveland right now. And I think Phil's right that the offense isn't going to be there, but the pitching will. The pitching will be better. Better. Yeah. Uh, and and continues to yeah. seem to get yeah. better. 
I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Obviously, time will tell. And um, I, I would put myself closer to the baby crazy side of it rather than full blown crazy. Yeah. Um, but um, I maybe I'm full blown, blown crazy too. And I'm just really, really excited about like Josh Naylor uh, and I shouldn't be, but why don't we wrap up our guardians week cap? We will look forward to an all-star break, a home run derby and all that kind of stuff before they get back to action. But let's move on to 13 shades of Brown, our 13 week preview of the upcoming Brown season. And we are making up ground. We've only got eight weeks to go. <laughs> So let's do our first 2022 installment of Get to Know Your Staff. Everyone knows Brown's special teams coach and Kevin Stefanski lookalike Mike Prefer, but not many people know the man behind the man. Assistant special teams coach Stephen Bravo Brown. Gentlemen, I'm going to test your Stephen Bravo Brown knowledge. <laughs> first question, his college mascot was the bull or the panther? Phil? Uh, the bull. Chuck, is it, did you say his middle name's Bravo? It's it's hyphenated. It's Stephen Bravo Brown. His last That's name his is his actual Bravo last name. I thought you made okay. up a nickname for this guy. Oh. That's his actual no. last name. I'm only yeah. I'm only interested in this stuff because I have a child on the way, and we're still kind of juggling names. Bravo, Bravo is not a bad name. Anyway, Panther or what? What was the other one? Bull. Yeah, Phil, you took bull. Panther. I, I got to take somebody's yeah. got to win. That's right. I'll take Panther. Guess what? You both lose. He played for colleges oh, with both mascots. He played for wide receiver <laughs> yeah. for the South Florida Bulls and the Eastern Illinois Panthers. Damn it. So wouldn't we both yeah. be right yeah, then, right? not wrong? No, no both of us. <laughs> Come on. I don't, I, don't like, I don't like mouthy Chuck tonight. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have a South Florida hat that I've worn on this podcast. Does that give me the edge in that question? No. No. no? Yeah. Should. Damn it. Uh, next one. There's still, there's still chances here, guys. You can still win. Oh, great. <laughs> Stephen Bravo Brown is single and ready to mingle. True or false? It's true. I'm going to say false because his last name's hyphenated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if the reasoning is correct, but you're right, Phil. It's false. According to Stephen Bravo Brown's Twitter account, he got married on July 6, 2019, and it was the greatest day of his life. Okay, last one. True or false? Bravo Brown is the only coach on the staff with a hyphenated last name. Uh, I'm going to say false. I want to <laughs> say false, but Phil already <laughs> took false, so I got to say true. Chuck, you're right. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, there are no other hyphenated last names on the Browns coaching staff. Alex Van Pelt. No hyphen, uh, although he does have three names, just the way that Stephen Bravo Brown does. <laughs> if you go to the front office, there is a guy named Peter John Baptiste. He is the senior vice president of communications. So anyway, onto the field. Last season, the Browns special teams ranked in the lower third of the league. They were only 32nd in field goal percentage, and they were 30th in punt average. So when the special teams take the field in 2022, do you think they are more likely to be Bravo Browns? Or Boo Browns. <laughs> Stuff writes itself. I'm glad I just snorted. Yeah, I'm glad I just snorted in laughter. I would assume they're going. I'm, I'm going to say they're going to be Bravo Browns because last year there were some real issues there, and uh, they addressed the kicker in the draft. The punter, the Scottish Hammer, is no longer hammering in Cleveland. So, Bravo. Yeah, I, I think Bravo Browns. They uh, you almost can't get ranked any lower than that. I mean, almost. And uh, they they got rid of those guys and replaced them with new guys. So odds would have it that will be at least slightly better. And uh, yeah, Bravo. I'm going with Bravo Browns too. They really don't have any place else to go but up. So you know, let's go Browns. But that'll wrap up another segment of Thirteen Shades of Brown. Why don't we take our first break? We'll come back on the road, talk Open Championship golf, crazy baseball players and the world games. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and we will skip all the way across the pond to start with the Open Championship at the Old Course at St. Andrews, where it should always be. As usual, this was a great tournament, great leaderboard, great finish. All around St. Andrews delivered again. Today started the final day of the tournament with Rory McIlroy and Victor Hovland tied at 16 under. But golf's Joe Dirt, Cameron Smith, 
blistered the course today <laughs> to finish 20 under, came back from four strokes behind at the start of the day to take home the Cleric Jug. Smith is having a big year. Uh, he won the Players' Championship. He finished high at the U.S. Open, I believe. But let's face it, it's tough to take him seriously as a pro because of his hair. Now that he is a major champion, don't you think it's time he trims the mullet? I think because now he's a major champion, he will not trim the mullet out of fear that the mullet is what got him there and it's going to keep him there. He actually had mentioned something in one interview this weekend that he was he was about to cut the hair off uh, during this season. And then he started playing so well, so he, he didn't want to do that. <laughs> so here here we go. Uh, so as soon as he gets into some sort of slump, maybe he uh, he gets rid of the mullet. But man, whatever. Cameron Smith, you be you, man. <laughs> it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a mullet. And even though mullets are kind of within the last year, if you Google like men's hairstyles 2020, what's hot? Mullets I'm come so up. Glad so I'm bald. I don't think there's anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with it, especially if 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 it becomes his kind of calling card thing, you know, so uh, I hope he keeps the mullet, especially a guy who said he's going to drink out of that jug as many beers as he can fit in it. Why not keep the mullet if you're talking about drinking out of one of golf's greatest trophies? There's absolutely no way he cuts the hair at this point. It's where he gets his strength and his power. Uh, everybody loves it. It's his brand. I mean, he'll probably come out with a hat with like the silhouette of the mullet on it or something like that. It'll be his new stuff. So I, I don't think there's any way he's cutting it. And he's actually having a fantastic season. He really, really is playing well. And I think this was tied. He was six under today. And I think that tied for the record for lowest final round at a major, uh, which is a humongous thing. Like uh, we'll get to it here in a sec, but Rory McIlroy didn't play badly today. He was two under and, and had a shot at the end to get close to, you know, a step closer to tie it. But Cameron Smith really, really came out and, and played well. Like I said, McElroy was good, but not quite good enough. I looked up his stats after the tournament ended on Wikipedia and somebody had already updated his Wikipedia page to say that he won the 2022 British Open, <laughs> which he did not, <laughs> you know? Um, so I don't know if that's getting changed later today, but that's another reason why you don't do your research on Wikipedia. But McElroy is a four-time major winner, a former world number one. He's won 33 times on the tour. He won all those majors before he was 25. And it's been almost 10 years since he last won. Is this now a disappointing career for Rory McIlroy? That's a shame he came to me first. No, um, it's not. He he wasn't, you know, a, a guy who, God, I, I watched one of his shots out of a bunker. I don't know if it was yesterday. Like, Jesus. He holds no, the one I don't on think it's 10. a disappointing yeah. career for him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a disappointing career at all, but I just thought maybe a day today, like where he could have been a little more aggressive. He was not. And maybe that's just because he's a vet, you know, he's a veteran now, even though I still think he's really young. You, you're saying he's been doing this for over 10 years. Uh, I don't think it's a disappointing career. You just listed his, his resume and it's far more impressive than a lot of guys on the tour. So I'm not disappointed with him. I just thought he, he may have been able to play a little more aggressive today and been there, but Hats off to Cameron Smith and Cameron Young and every other Cameron who played in this tournament. I thought, shit, maybe I should name my new daughter Cameron. Cameron's a hot name. I watched Ferris Bueller this afternoon, and Cameron's in that. And I said to my wife, should we call our daughter Cameron after what happened at the Open today? Uh, but she said no. Good on her. Phil, what do you think? Rory McIlroy, a disappointment at this stage in his career? Well, let me start by saying Rory is a cool name for a girl, Chuck. But Rory, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. true. Um, yeah, Or Tiger. <laughs> Already brought it up. She shot that down too. <laughs> Not a disappointing career. I just think Rory is, he's in that time frame where he could string some major championships together here in the next few seasons, right? And and that would that would go a long way to think like, wow, all right, this is one of the, the, the better golfers in, in his time. And he clearly is. He ends up in second and third a lot. He really does. He two-putted every single hole today. 18 holes. He two-putted every hole. And you think about it, he ended up two strokes behind. Any of those close putts fall in and we're, we're having a different discussion. They did mention today, though, that the next time it circles around to the old course... He'll be 40 and they almost said it as if like he'd be done by then. But I'm thinking, you know what? No, not, not today, right? Like a 40 year old, 40 year old Rory McIlroy, if he's not injured between now and then 
can certainly still be competing at a high level. So I think he's going to win some more majors uh, here in the next few seasons and uh, it, not a disappointing career at all. The only other two guys who won four majors before they were 25 are Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas. And so Rory was in that conversation when he was like 23 years old, 24 years old, and and has not ended up in the next 10 years playing at the same level as those guys or even close. You know, like you're right, like lots of top five finishes in majors, something crazy, like 16 top five finishes in majors since he was 25, but just can't get the job done and played well today, but couldn't get it done on the green, couldn't make the big putts that you need to make to win on the final day. So I don't know. It's hard to call anybody a disappointment who has accomplished what he has. Right. But from where he was when he was really young to where he is now, I would say that he has not lived up to what people expected of him at that time. I think they would have thought he'd have another three majors by now, uh, and he just hasn't gotten it done. But all in all, really fun weekend of golf at the open championship i I look forward to this one every year it's a good one let's move on and talk about baseball players who may need to have their heads checked over the weekend juan soto from the washington nationals turned down a 15-year 440 million (laughs) dollar guaranteed contract juan soto is currently hitting 250 which on batting average alone means that owen miller and richie palacios are also in line For $400 million, uh, Soto does have 29 home runs, 42 RBIs. He is a career 293 hitter with a 20-plus war, and he's only 23 years old. But he just turned down 15 years, $440 bucks. Should Juan Soto have his head checked? Yes, but... I don't know. Is it the length of the contract or the number? Is he thinking he's going to get 450 for 10 from someone like the Yankees or the Dodgers or, you know, someone like that? And that's probably why he turned it down right now. But that it's absurd that anyone could turn that down. But that's that's kind of where Juan Soto is going to end up. Right. He's going to end up in one of these top tier franchises that spend more than anybody because that's the kind of player he is. And he's probably looking at Washington thing like, all right, they they're going to pony up all this dough, but I'm going to be stuck with 15 years of mediocrity instead of chasing some championships. And someone like the Dodgers or the Yankees will pay him the same amount of money for less time. I like to think at 23, all you're thinking about is getting paid. That's it. You're not thinking about, is this the franchise that's going to compete? Because who cares? You know, like you're God, you generational wealth. Like your grandkids' kids don't have to worry about money. If anybody offered me anything near that at that age, if anybody offered me $1,000 in pennies, I would have taken it at 23. Uh, but he is, you know, he's a top five player under 25 in the in Major League Baseball. He is, even if his average is 250 right now. But that's an absurd contract to say no to. So, I, I yeah, I would assume he needs his head checked, but... I don't think it's because he wants to play for a a historic franchise that's going to compete every year like the Yankees or whoever. I just don't think he wants to be in Washington much longer. And maybe that's what it is. It's an interesting contract, too, because it's really weighted near the end. You know, he was only going to be being paid like 25 million for the first like three years of the deal. And eventually it racks up to at the at the back end of it, he's getting paid you know, like 49 million or something like that. And so I don't know if there was some thought that like, kind of what Phil was saying is that like, wait a minute, I can get paid this now. Why am I signing this long deal that doesn't pay it out until later? I don't know, man. It takes a certain amount of moxie to turn down $440 million of guaranteed money over the Ugh. next 15 years. You're like, I'm set. Uh, all yeah, of my knees can explode yeah. and I still yeah, have $440 million. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's really, I mean, that's something that is a guy who, you know, much like Baker Mayfield taking the pay cut to go to the Panthers, he's betting on himself for that next deal. I guess the next big question is, is he still has two years of arbitration control. Do the nationals try to move him this year? Hmm. So if they're, if they're, moving them under contract to get something back. That's going to be one of those again to the Yankees Dodgers sign and trade. Here's your 10, here's your 10 year deal with one of those teams. So yeah, maybe, maybe a team like the nationals look at it like, all right, this guy is, we're going to get a haul. We're going to get an absolute haul of prospects for this guy. If we deal him in the next year or two, that's probably exactly what they're if going they to move to him this year, the team that gets him, We'll have the rest of this season and then the two following seasons, they'll have him under control. He'll get to go to arbitration and they'll set 
a number there, yeah. but they kind of those are kind of controlled numbers. So they, you know, you could you you still have control of him for two full seasons after this because he's so young. Which leads me to believe that Guardian should go after him now because we can't pay him four hundred forty million dollars for, for fifteen years, but we can have two years of control with him in the middle of our lineup. Right. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah, let's absolutely yeah. do this. Well, that wasn't where I was heading, but it's not a bad idea, Chuck. What do you think? Are the Nationals going to be able to move this guy? You have to if you gave him your best in final. Oh, and by the way, it's the best in final yeah, in the right. history right. of baseball contracts. You have to move him now, right? Like yeah. you have no choice. You said, "Hey, we'll give you more money than anybody's ever made in the history of the sport," and you balked at it. Uh, thank you for your service. <laughs> Let me see what we can yeah. get for you. I think they probably have to, and I think it's also probably the best idea. I would trade him this year if he's clear that he's not yeah. going to want to stay, and like it is because you've just offered him more money than ever, and he said no. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then you move him. While he's, I think those two years of control are are so wildly valuable um, to whoever would pick him up, and I think that's the type of thing that gets you that big haul of prospects because it's not just like a rent a player thing or a guy that you can get and then you got to try to sign him to the monster deal. I think that's probably going to be the case. We'll see Juan Soto on the move at some point this year. Uh, but it's enough of analyzing Mr. Soto's decision making. Let's move on to the World Games. Gentlemen, the wild ride is coming to an end tonight. My heart is heavy. The World Games closing ceremonies are tonight, and there will be no more World Games for another four years after this. During this week, did you have a favorite World Game sport that you watched? <laughs> I can't even remember the names of the sports that I've watched. Uh, <laughs> did I have a favorite? I, I don't know. I kind of felt... I kind of felt like two and a half bourbons about them all, man. Like I was, uh, I'm watching them and I was kind of intrigued and I'm like, all right, this is interesting. And then I'd watch it longer. I'm like, this isn't, what do I really think about this? Like, I don't, I don't know if this is good or bad or I, I was, it was very, I was very, uh, kind of just ambiguous through it all. So I don't know that I had a favorite sport. I, I can't think of one thing I watched where I thought, oh my God, I cannot, I, four years can't go by quick enough so I can see this again. <laughs> Phil obviously is a world games hater. <laughs> I researched corfball today. I mean, what the f <laughs> corfball? I don't, I don't know if I consider it a sport, but if I'm watching breakdancing at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, it's pretty cool. That might've been my, as, as a former guy who used to have rhythm and used to be able to move yeah. it pretty good. When I watch this, I'm like Tuesday, I'm at work. I'm doing log. I'm doing music logs. I'm going to put on breakdancing. That, to me, it was the highlight of the World Games, even though they weren't all that good at breakdancing. Like, I've seen better breakdancing visiting my now wife in New York City in a subway tunnel. I, I, maybe those guys need to go to Birmingham, but uh, that was probably my favorite sport slash non-sport was, was the breakdancing. Speed skating races? Because they just did them through like streets in downtown Birmingham and like guys had to avoid like curbs and it looked like there were people who had just like walked out of their office like for lunch it was like, whoa, hey, there's like a Olympic event going on on my street. I'm going to sit here and watch this for a little bit. I thought that really summed up the World Games perfectly. So as we figured out before we started recording, the United States finished second in the medal count, scale of one to five, one being blood five being HGTV. How important is it for the U.S. to take back the number one spot in the next World Games? Uh, well, there's always a lot of HGTV on in this house. My wife's a big fan of damn near everything on that channel. Um, but when it comes to World Game Pride being here in the United States, I'm, I'm not going to I'm, I'm going to put it more towards uh, my lottery dream home on HGTV than something out of five. So I'm at a one and a half. Oh man, it's a one. It is a one. We are the United States of America. God damn it. We, it's the world games. And if you're not first, you're last. That's it. Like, that's it, right? Like if you're not first, you're last. We, that's blood all the way. All right. I'm with Phil, man. I want to see us win the world games running away next time. But fellas, that's it for the world games. That's it for our second segment. We'll take our final break. Come back, talk some TV awards off the field.
Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field, and I'm not sure if you know, but Emmy nominations came out this week. So let's spend some time talking TV awards. Before we get to the nominees, an interesting thought hit me as I was putting this together, uh, because I remembered when we did this for the Oscars a few months ago, and when we went through the list of the movies in the major categories, we had barely seen any of them. Hadn't even heard of some of them. But I think as you go, as we'll go through the lists tonight, you're going to see that you probably have heard of all these shows and probably have watched like 70% of them. And it got me thinking, and I'm wondering, has TV surpassed movies as the venue for watching stuff? Hmm. Well, I guess it depends on how you look at that, but there's so much available in your living room with all the streaming services and there's a lot of good content too. I don't mean to just say that it's just, you know, volume over, over value. It's, there's a lot of really good content going into television series and there has been for quite some time and now there's just more and more of it. So yeah, I guess if you look at it from that perspective, maybe it's different, you know, like you, you, you sit down and you either binge watch a show or you catch an hour episode weekly. It's a little different than, than a movie, but you know, based on the quality that you're getting now, it, it maybe it has surpassed it. We talk about that. We've been talking about it since the the beginning of this podcast, where we're ranking the best television series of all time, and it's hard to find movies that are as good or or as rewatchable as some of those television shows. TV has become more of an event than movies, and maybe that's due to COVID. That the last event movie for all of us was Top Gun. What was it before that? talking about probably two years ago so i'm gonna do a nice little callback here tv has become the juan soto <laughs> of of entertainment where they throw a lot of money at not only series but actors and where tv was frowned upon maybe maybe the sopranos kind of changed that 20 years ago i was like oh you're doing tv yeah. it's like doing a commercial yeah. or something where now tv is so important uh with the advent of streaming services so when you have series that are basically over a million dollars an episode for something on HBO or on Amazon Prime. And it's a lot, let's be honest, it's a lot easier for us to yeah. sit at home and watch stuff from our couch than it is to get in the car, pack up the kids, whatever it is, and go yeah. to a movie. So um, yeah, man, TV, I may have surpassed cinema, which is weird because we all, well, not you, Phil, you you reap the yeah. benefits, but me and you, Gerb, worked in cinema. <laughs> I tend to think that it has, and I think you guys have both hit on some of the the factors that I thought were contributing to it. I think in the real short term, it's COVID. You know, it just it forced us to consume this type of stuff in our homes. In in the last 10, 15 years, maybe I think we've seen fewer limitations on the content on television than there were when we were kids. You know, like you can just get away with more on television because you're not on the networks anymore and they're not regulated the same way. Improvements in vid visual and audio technology. It's the same reason why I'd much rather watch a Browns game at home than go to a game in person. Like the experience has gotten so good because I've got a giant TV and I've got great sound and I'm in the comfort of my home. In the end, is TV a better venue for telling a story than a movie? Maverick might have been as good or better a story if it's told over eight episodes. And I know you lose kind of the visual impact of being on the big screen is what you'd give up there. But you could tell a different story, a much more deep story in those eight episodes. And the flip side of that is Stranger Things is not better as a two and a half hour movie. It is better as the the season of this show that they've created because they've they've had so much in it and i'm not quite done yet so don't say don't spoil the end for me i think i've got another episode and i have to go and they're all like <laughs> two hours long so i've got i've got like a week of tv to watch there but um, uh, am i on something or am i on to something tv is just a better way to tell a story right now you're on to something hands down and one of it is comfort like you're saying it's much better to sit on your couch and be able to watch at your leisure than blocking out time and packing up and going to a theater to see something where Basically, a lot of these shows that we talk about weekly, whether it's in the whether it's off mic or in extras or in the t uh, the outtakes here, you're talking about a full theatrical experience in your own home uh, and you're getting that every week. So I've, I finished Stranger Things last night. You're right. I would have been disappointed if I went to a theater to watch it, but it's nice to nice to be at home. 
the other factor here is is us. It, everybody has us where they have friends and they word of mouth. It's like, hey, this show's pretty great. Have you seen it? Well, shit, I'm going to put it on my menu. I'm going to watch it. It's weird that, to say this, and I don't know if it's more COVID than anything, but TV events happen more frequently than movie events. And it's probably because of COVID. But I, I'm much more rather be like, oh, have you seen? You guys give me a recommendation. I watch this. I'm blown away. It's great. I give you mine. Where movies, it's like everybody's talking about one thing. And right now it's been Maverick. And that's been what? For two and a half months? Where TV, we talk weekly about what the event is. Yeah, you're on to something for sure. I, the benefit of the television series is is the slow burn, right? Like the slow character development. And, and some of these things I was thinking about as you guys were talking, like some of it, the source material lends itself to that, be it Game of Thrones or, or what have you. But not all of it. I mean, Stranger Things wasn't a book before it was a television show. These are just writers that are writing a, a television series that really want to dive into character development and a slow burn through all sorts of great storytelling movies in some ways are harder, right? Like you've got to tell a story within two hours, two and a half. If you're the new Batman, three hours, <laughs> you know, whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, but even that, like, that's a good example too. Like you, you think about the comic book movies, there's all this source material and it lends itself to the television show, but the movies, you got to kind of pick a story, right. And just slam it into two to three hours. Whereas these television programs, you get to you get to really dive into some deep character development, which we saw so long ago in in Sopranos, and we've seen it in so many other series since, and and even all the way up to what we just watched together in Winning Time. Like, all right, that would have been a well, terrible that was good. movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but a really yeah. good yeah. television series because of the character development, right? And that's where I think we win here. And I, in some ways, it has surpassed. The, the cinema. I guess it's just another one of those things that's happening in our society that is encouraging us all to stay in our homes and not have human contact and will eventually be the end of our society, probably. But hey, <laughs> there's a lot of good TV between now and then, I think. So let's go ahead and look at some of the nominees for the Emmys this year. And we have the same issue we've had a few times when we discuss these awards show. There's just a lot of stuff getting nominated. You know, the categories are six or seven shows deep instead of what I remember when we were growing up being more like four. Uh, and so you've got one, obviously, that deserves to win, but there's no way that all of these should be nominated. So as we go through these, you guys are going to pick your winner and your walker, the nominee that should just walk away because they should have never been on the list in the first place. All right. Are we tracking? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Got it. All right. Got so it. we'll start with Best Variety Sketch Series. First nominee is A Black Lady Sketch Show on HBO. Second is Saturday Night Live on NBC. And, and that's it. There's only two for this one. <laughs> Chuck, scale of one to five. One being, one being my dog during a nap. Five being my dog when someone walks within 100 feet of our house. How pissed are you that so true, y'all, didn't make the cut? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going with a five because this isn't all I heard is the word y'all, and I know I'm supposed to apply for a y'all job from last week. So I'm, so I'm going with that. <laughs> Sketch comedy. <laughs> um, all right. Can we just agree really quickly that Saturday Night Live should win the Emmy of these two for best variety sketch series? Yes. Why is there only two not? You just said there's like six and seven in every category, and there's only two in that category. What the hell? Well, because in Living Color hasn't yeah, been on yeah. since '98. That's Reruns why. Reruns of Chappelle Show should be renominated. Can we get that? Yeah. True. Yeah. 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 Next one is Best Variety Talk Series. It's basically like the late night shows. Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Comedy Central, Jimmy Kimmel Live on ABC, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver on HBO, Late Night with Seth Meyers on NBC, or The Late Show with Stephen Colbert on CBS. Who's your walker? Who's your winner? I'm going to go with um, last week tonight with Oliver, right? Yeah. On HBO as the winner, as the winner. I'm biased. I think the show's fantastic. It, it is fantastic. And it's, it's 35 minutes of information and laughter and the intermittent dropping of fucker and throughout the entire episode, which is, <laughs> which just makes, which just makes the news of the week easier for me to digest. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, uh, John Oliver has a way with words that way. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with the uh, dark horse there as the winner. And then the Walker, man, that's hard. I'm going to, um, Seth Myers gets my Walker get out. I like him, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Can you list them all again? Sorry. It's the daily show. Jimmy Kimmel live last week tonight with John Oliver late night with Seth Myers and the late show with Stephen Colbert. I think there's a fundamental issue with all these shows is that it's the only platform that has yet to address how viewing habits have changed dramatically in the last five to 10 years. But um, surprisingly, I don't watch much late night anymore, not because I'm asleep, because I don't find it all that entertaining or funny, because most of it has moved into political realm. Even Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon is doing political humor. Dude, get the out of here, man. Like Jimmy Fallon should never do that where other guys can't can't handle it. Uh, I might be with Phil here. Seth Meyers can probably be a walker just because. There shouldn't be anything on but infomercials on free TV after 12 at night. And you can put anybody as the winner because I'm, I'm not that not that interested in any of them, to be honest. I have a problem with Phil's only because we live in a right now society. And if somebody's recapping a week at the end of it, it's already too late. You're, you're already past the news that happened. Hey, you pretty much just described our show. Yeah, yeah wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right, shut it down. We got to retool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, that's, that's funny. I, I actually haven't watched any of these shows in a really long time because they are on after I go to bed. My Walker was going to be last week tonight with John Oliver. I really liked it when it first came out, but it always, I don't know, it just kind of seems to be the same thing over and over again. So not into that one. And I was going to give it to Colbert because I think that guy's funny, but let's get to a couple more of the serious ones. Best drama series. So you got to give me your Walker or your winner. If you want to have more than one Walker, I'd be okay with that too. So best drama series. First nominee is Better Call Saul, AMC. Uh, Next is Euphoria on HBO. Next is Ozark from Netflix. After that, Severance from Apple TV. After that, Squid Game on Netflix. Then Stranger Things on Netflix. Uh, Succession on HBO. And something called Yellow Jackets. That's on Showtime. Damn. Not Yellowstone? No, Was that Yellow a Jackets. I checked. It's on Showtime. It's a show, I guess. <laughs> oh, Baldwin Wallace? Were they the Yellow Jackets? So, Chuck, who's your winner? Still who's on. your walker on that list? Uh, Yellow Jackets is my walker because I've never seen or heard of it. But there's a lot of really good shows that you said in there as winners. I loved Succession. I loved Severance. I really enjoyed Stranger Things after finishing it last night. But my winner... And I came late to the party uh, up to you guys is probably severance. It was just so very different than anything I've seen in a really long time. Uh, and not that it was a slow burn. I, I, I ingested it different than you guys. You said it was a slow burn. Wait till you get to this. And I was hooked from episode one in the way the writing and the direct Ben Affleck may never be. I, I don't care if I ever see him in another night at the museum. <laughs> But as a director, this guy ben is Miller, money. Not Ben Affleck. No, I'm sorry. Did I say Ben Affleck? It's, pro- it's pronounced Guardians. I'm sorry. Um, the way that show came together uh, in the last couple episodes was just, I-, I couldn't have imagined a more satisfying final episode. So, wow, all of them are great. But I think I'm going with Severance. That's a really good choice, Chuck. I, I, there are a lot of winners on that list. So I'm going to go with the Walker first and my Walker, I've got to choose between yellow jackets, squid game and euphoria. And the only reason I'm choosing between those three is I've not seen a minute of any of them. I've heard tell that euphoria is really, really good. And a lot of people like it. So I'll cross that one off the list. It can stay. I'm going to give my Walker to squid game. It might be awesome. I don't know. It seemed like just the stuff I saw in it in preview type. I'm like, is this, is this a joke? Is this for real? Like what is, I don't know what squid game is. I mean, yellow ja- jackets might be awesome. Who knows who has showtime? Nobody. So, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know? so now right. onto my winner. Um, that's a really good list for winners. I mean, I, I think you listed off four or five shows that I thought like, wow, that, that's some of the best television I saw in 2022. I, I do like Severance for what Chuck mentioned. It's It separates itself a bit from the rest of the list in just that it's new and different. So Stranger Things was awesome and I'm all the way caught up and it was an awesome, awesome season. It wasn't new and it wasn't different, but it was really good still. So that's okay. And same with everything else that you mentioned. I, I You know, better, better Call Saul, great show, great show. But I'll get and, and same with Ozark and same with with Succession. I, I think 
I'll give the nod to Severance though, because it was so fresh the entire time I watched it. I couldn't, what I loved about it early on, and I think this is maybe why I described it that way to you, Chuck, and to you guys early on, is I didn't know if I liked it or not, but I couldn't stop coming back because it was, it was so different than anything else I watched. I'm like, I just, I got to keep watching this. Like, I think it's good. I think it's good. And sure enough, it was really, really good. So I'll give the nod to Severance. My walkers are Squid Game and Yellow Jackets. Uh, Yellow Jackets because I'd never heard of it. Squid Game, I watched a couple episodes and I don't know. Uh, I get that people really loved it, um, just never really appealed to me. Severance was really, really good. I don't know if I'd put it up as high as you guys did. It really came down to me to Better Call Saul and Succession. I love Better Call Saul. I, I, you know, Breaking Bad is one of my favorite TV shows ever. What they've done with that show following Breaking Bad is amazing. I'm going with Succession, though. It was a really, really good season of Succession. The ending was amazing. The way The way they wrapped it up was really good. And it feels like somewhat real in the way that rich media moguls can manipulate the world the way they want to i feel like might be actually happening right now i like succession a lot that would that would be that would be my winner last one best comedy series this one is absolutely loaded with good shows not the first one though uh abbott elementary on abc was the first nominee that's really good nope. i've heard it was good and I, anyway i'll get to it barry on hbo Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO, Hacks on HBO, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon, Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, Ted Lasso on Apple, and What We Do in the Shadows on FX. So absolutely loaded category. You're right. That list is loaded. Uh, so I'm going to pick a walker first. Ah, man, I... Again, I, I guess I'm going to plead ignorance here because I'm going to give my walker to Abbott Elementary only because I haven't watched a minute of it. I, I've heard it's really good. I, I've seen write-ups on it that people seem to really enjoy it uh, for what it is. I just haven't watched it. And not not that I wouldn't be interested in that kind of show. It's just there's only so many hours in a week. <laughs> you know, it's like there's it's a lot of stuff out there where I've seen almost all of the other ones you mentioned. And if, if I'm just looking at this year's season, so just 2022 – Man, I, that's hard. Like I, Ted Lasso, we talked about this before in other episodes. Ted Lasso was something I didn't know I needed in my life, and I got it, and I f***ing loved it. Like I, I laughed as much as I cried watching those shows. I, I've not felt that emotional during a television show. I, I don't know if ever. I, I, I honestly, so that's hard to vote against. But man, this season of Barry was awesome. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. It was so good and so dark. And I kept. Like every time, uh, what was no ho Hank was on, I couldn't stop, but like, I got to watch every scene with no ho Hank twice. I'm like, this is fantastic television. So uh, this is hard. It's hard for me to pick a winner here. I love this season of Barry, but man, uh, although I guess this year was what season of Ted Lasso. It wasn't the first season. It was the second season, right? Two. Yeah. It's two. All right. I'm yeah. going to give it to Barry then. I love Ted Lasso. Sorry, Ted Lasso. I'm going to give it to Barry. I'm going to give it to Barry just because I feel like that show, it was, it's been good from the very beginning, but it was starting to kind of not, not that I, would, I loved every episode. It was starting to drag a little bit. And then all of a sudden this season's like, Whoa, all right, here we go. We're back to the absolutely dark comedy that, that got me interested in the show to begin with. My Walker is Abbott elementary again, because I've never seen it in one who's, who's watching over-the-air network television anymore other than a sporting event. So there's two shows here that I really, really like. Mrs. Maisel is a fantastic show. It is yeah. so great. Uh, the writing is phenomenal on it. Tony Shalhoub should win an Emmy. I assume he's nominated um, as yep. her father. Uh, and plus, he's Lebanese. <laughs> and I'm half Lebanese, so you got to pull for your, for your Lebanese <laughs> brethren. But Phil kind of hit it for me here. Uh, there is no show for me in my life, like Ted Lasso. Uh, and maybe it's because where we're at in our life, uh, that TV shows rarely, uh, unless you're watching like something that I watch with Chip, like Bluey, that teaches you something about life in every episode. Uh, and it's not just a comedy. I know it's that's the guise of it and you laugh a lot, but there's life lessons in every episode of that show. And the way Phil describes it is perfect. It's not the show that I, you know, like I knew I needed in my life. But it is. Uh, when I finish that series, I want another episode 
immediately. And that hasn't happened for me with TV in a long time, at least in that comedy genre, like drama's one thing, like you're fiending for something or suspense. Uh, but when I'm when I'm fiending for another episode of Ted Lasso, just because it's so eloquently put together, every episode is different. It addresses something else. Uh, that is that is by far my winner. As much as I love Miss Maisel, it's it's Ted Lasso. Abbott Elementary is a walker for me. Uh, I have watched like one episode. It's just kind of this that office style mockumentary about mm. or or like Parks and Rec. Yeah. Except it's at an elementary school. I'm like, all right, we've already seen this enough time. Um, only murders in the building is also a walker, it, and it is the reason why the walker exists in this discussion because that show is terrible, <laughs> but it's on Hulu. <laughs> And and like Martin Short and Steve Martin are amazing yeah. and they're hilarious guys. That show is so <laughs> dumb. It should not be nominated for anything. Everything else on the list that I've seen, I haven't seen all of them, but um, it was a great episode, a great season of Curb. Uh, if you haven't watched Hacks on HBO, watch it. It is a great show. Maisel is a great show too. Um, but uh, my favorite TV show right now is probably Barry. Uh, and this was a great season of it. Uh, I love the dark comedy. I love No Ho Hank. I love the absurdity of it. The fact that he was like on the phone with the <laughs> IT department for um, yeah, the, the button, right, the, the detonator, detonator button. button. Um, you know, like that's that's just like it's just the most absurd thing. Uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. So Barry gets my nod. We'll see when I have. I don't even know when the Emmys are or when they're going to announce the who wins. Um, but I suppose we'll talk about it then. But uh, is it in Birmingham, Alabama this year? Birmingham taking over everything, man. Anyway, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that I have another thing in common with America's greatest rock and roller, Bruce Springsteen. Because this week he became a grandfather, just like me. With that brand new reason why he and I would be best friends if he would just return my daily calls. I hope you guys have a great week and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. (laughs) And a final big happy 45 to our boy Matt Miller today. Happy birthday, Miller. Happy birthday, Miller. Last week, the Guardians split with the White Sox and treated the Tigers the way to height. <clears throat> Damn it. Uh, last week, the Guardians split with the White Sox and then treated the Tigers the the way it. <laughs> it's not even that funny. I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be tripping over like this. Off on goal. Last week, the Guardians. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we started um god damn it i'm just not gonna be able to talk tonight Uh, last season the brown special team special teams ranked in the lower smith is having an absolutely monster year he won the players championship earlier in the season i think he finished second at the u.s open um and um he obviously wins this tournament but let's face it tough to take him seriously i'm gonna start that all over again you know but the emmy announced god man like everything all my pre-written stuff has been shit tonight not sure if you guys Um, you just froze for me were you done talking yeah, you just froze for us. We're, we're, yeah, you froze for us. Yeah, Phil, Phil's Are internet is talking? weak. Don't worry, they're still recording at high quality. Um, I think this gets my cleaned up by weak. the system later on. My 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 Wi Fi is at like full. Oh, okay. So absolutely loaded category, Phil. I think it's Chuck. Chuck, is it your turn to go first? Whose turn is it to go first? Oh, I thought I went first last. Wait, no, no, you're right. You're right. Did you go first last time? I think you did. You're right. I, I, You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, My I'm, turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go ahead.
Did he want to the year before too, or was it you and Tursic who wanted to the year before, and we played mm -hmm. one last game of bottle and stick and yeah, me and Tursic? Yeah, I think Miller took it this year once we determined that we'd be cool with it being in Cleveland. He's like, oh man, I can do this. Let me take a turn at it, you know. Yeah, which is fine because I mean he clearly knows Cleveland, so that's good. Um, but I don't know. That's uh, yeah. two months away. Uh, again, we're we're back to discussing a January sixth type coup. Um, <laughs> take over the uh, take over this thing. <laughs> Good God! <laughs> Have I not used that joke before? Maybe I used you that did. with Tammy. No, not to me. You brought it up on one of the podcasts. I like thought one, it of did, the, yeah. one of the breaks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I, I think we were talking about who was going to wear the buffalo headdress when we were yeah. <laughs> taking over. <laughs> God, who would wear the buffalo headdress? That's easy. <laughs> Burke, for sure. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, man. Uh, that picture of his kid with Josh Naylor was just the, like the – just like the most oddly humorous thing yeah. like i couldn't like it's yeah. awesome that he got to he got to meet him yeah. but like Naylor does not look like a professional athlete in that photo no i thought it's, it looked like i was i was walking chip and i opened it i'm like why is why is carrot top <laughs> taking yeah. a photo yeah. with burke's kid but yeah he's Little, unless Burke's well, kid's a monster, is Jack, he like six yeah, Jack's pretty tall. Yeah, Jack's I bet big, he's right. Yeah, all right. He's well, tall. I, well. He might be six two, something like that. At least six two, really. Um, yeah, he's tall. That's big, good for him. But it looked good like that was a picture of of Jack Burke and like Josh Naylor's kid that plays for that team. With Jack yeah. Burke. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? That's not the actual Josh Naylor, is it? Um, he. I've, are we concerned at all about how much weight Josh Naylor is carrying? Does he seem to be getting I fatter? Am. Yep. I mentioned it like on like uh, early on the season. I was like, was he always that doughy? And you guys both said, he, yeah, uh, he no, looks right. worse now. He is rounding yeah. himself off to be our everyday DH as soon as they get rid of Fran Mill. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, Fran Mill had a decent Did week. He? No, <laughs> I don't think so. No, he like. <laughs> He had like 300, but half his hits came in one game, I think. Yeah. That guy, they got to ship him. I can't believe that we're saying that, but I think you're right. They might as well. But I just I just don't know if you're, yeah. get anything, you're getting anything for him, well, you know? I don't know. I'm going to need a cold beer. I enjoyed the world games. Yeah. Thank you for putting it on. I will menu. say I watched I, yeah. every day I checked in on it. I, I was caught off guard well, today right. that it was still going on. Cause I forgot, <laughs> but during the work week like that, you're exactly right. Chuck, like that was the best part. Like I would put it on yeah. my phone and just set it Perfect. on my desk as I was yep. working on something else. <laughs> and I had floorball, I had canoe polo, whatever the fuck. Like this is in the oh. middle of a work day. I'm like, Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. I'll watch yeah. this. Canoe polo was I, when funny. I watched the canoe yeah. stuff today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I watched it today. Like I said, I was like, oh, three seconds in. Yeah, this is just like whirly ball on water. And then a guy shot, and some guy was under the net or whatever it is, and all he did was put his oar up and reject the shot. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah, man, it it is a good like middle of the day. I'm working on something else, and I can have yeah. this going. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I liked um, all right world games in the, four years <laughs> at the beginning of the canoe polo game that I watched today. Like the announcer was like, oh, the French are really having a tough time getting their getting their boats organized. And I looked and it looked they were all like running into each other. <laughs> you know, They're in a circle. Running into each other. Oh, my God. These guys don't even know how to row. How are they getting out of this? But it's so you're so packed in. And there, there's a ton of like collisions and yep. stuff like that. Like you're, 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 you're boxing out with a kayak, you know, like it was crazy. Um, and it was great for about five minutes. And then I was like, I'd I, like to I watch. Was real surprised. Sports now. <laughs> yeah. That's, right, right, that's right. where I was at. I was surprised watching it today that the guys were wearing like dry fit yeah. clothing in the canoe. I thought they would just go, why aren't they just going yeah. topless in there? I assume the dry fit gets wet. It bogs them down, but, no, I don't know. No, High level it. sponsorship. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that that as well. 
But again, like every, it didn't matter which event I watched over the week. It was Archie was on a lot when I, t- there were always people there. Yeah. Which is not like the USFL. No. <laughs> there were a lot of people in Birmingham right. yeah. for the World yeah. Games. I, I like the uh, Corfball. I like that the announcers were announcing a game like basketball, but they were, they were uh, European soccer announcers kind of yeah. take yeah. on it, right? Like, or, or golf or golf. Like it was, it was like David Faraday doing a basketball game. Like it was, it was, yeah, yeah. it was pretty cool. Like they, they, the guys would say, take a shot. Oh, yeah, me Faraday. too, man. Like he would take a shot. Yeah, He's like, see, Oh, yeah. beautiful try. Beautiful try. That's precious. <laughs> like what? <laughs> For a while, I thought the rule was you had to shoot off of one foot because so many of them mm. shot off of one foot. And then I saw yeah. guys taking regular jump shots. Um, but, but no, even though it's 11 no, and a half no feet off the ground post game in Corfball, like nobody was getting into the paint and just turning around and like shooting it up into the basket. Like everybody was trying to shoot like threes. Like, why this, are you trying to shoot it from so far away? Get it right up close and just toss it up. Steph Curry effect, man. <laughs> Steph, but Curry Steph Curry. That's his fault. This is the perfect. <laughs> this is the perfect sport. This is like basketball in the '60s when all of a sudden someone dunked on accident. They're like, "Oh fuck! What? What was that? Does that count?" Like, even though it's 11 and a half feet off the ground, dudes in the NBA could dunk on that easily, right? Like, like well, what about somebody with the obvious post presence of a Matt Miller or a Jason Bonhard? Could we get them on the core football team and just let that them might use be their more realistic. Moves? Yeah, that might be more realistic than getting like Shaq's son who doesn't get, make the Lakers squad playing core ball yeah, and just dunking yeah. every time we throw it down low. <laughs> Funny. Funny like the clown? Here to amuse you?